1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
2: Once again, we greet you for the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We're always happy when you plug in with us here on WTLN AM 950 in Orlando, Florida. Jeff Sennis engineers this show each week, and Andrew Herdliska produces it. And uh, Andrew has produced Matt Appling from Kansas City, Missouri. Matt uh, teaches pre-kindergarten through sixth grade art, as well as high school art history uh, in Kansas City. He's also taught, mentored, and ministered in a variety of school and church settings. His new book is out called Life After Art, what you forgot about life and faith since you left the art room, Matt? Very nice of you to join me. I'm looking forward to our visit.
3: Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you and all your listeners.
2: Tell me about uh, life after art. What you forgot about life and faith since you left the art room? What is that? What's going on here?
3: Well, it, it's it was kind of a personal revelation for me. Uh, I was I was always kind of a, a kid who gra- gravitated toward toward art and creativity. Um, But but as I uh, grew up, I I went to college, got my education, got married, uh, took on all of these uh, typical adult responsibilities, and uh, eventually, uh, through a lot of twists and turns, I found my way uh, in a job actually teaching art, which was unexpected, unplanned, but it was very providential. And uh, so I I got back into the classroom. It had been years and years since since I had been in an art room before, and uh, I thought I had an idea of, of all the lessons I wanted to teach and the things that I wanted my students to, to get out of the class. And what I found was uh, just th- this incredible revelation that, that was opening up about all of these things that, uh, that I had forgotten about, uh, what art and creativity has to teach us as people, the things that, that either I, I had never learned or things that I had long forgotten. And, and so it was really just an eye-opening experience. I think uh, my first year in the art room, I really learned more about myself uh, than maybe the students even learned about about art. And so that's really the, the genesis of the book. It's, uh, it's for all of us who the art room uh, in, in elementary school is kind of a long-forgotten memory. Um, it, it doesn't really uh, have any bearing on us in, in our adult world. And so it, it's kind of a, an encouragement for us to go back and look at what, what that little time and place in our lives Uh, has to say to us as
2: adults well matt i got to tell you growing up in wilmington delaware and going to tower hill school i remember vividly our art teacher uh, miss souther Polly souther (laughs) i can remember (laughs) and and listen we also had a shop teacher Mm -hmm. and so we had we had art and shop i mean right on up into uh, i guess bordering into high school so i'm uh, i'm with you all the way on this topic
3: yeah yeah i i had a i had a great uh elementary art teacher uh i i still remember her i you know the the funny thing is i don't remember a lot of the things that we did in her class but i I really remember how she made us all feel in her classroom she made she made me feel like I was her favorite student but i think she made all of us feel that way and it was just uh it was a great experience
2: and listen my mother up until her death you know had pottery and uh Mm. Some art exhibitions from our youth, you know, still hanging in the house. Oh, boy. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you know, Many a refrigerator has been decorated with high school, you know, middle school That's art. That's right. That's right. All right, let's get started. You have six uh, interesting chapters, so I want to get started. Chapter one, you call All Children Are Artists. Uh, explain to us, please.
3: Well, you know, Pablo Picasso, he was a world-famous artist uh, who worked in the first half of the 20th century, and, and he really, he said that. He said that all children are, are born artists, and um, and it really is true. I mean, when I have a, have a new group of kindergarten students come into my classroom, I start the year by asking how many of you think that you're artists, and uh, invariably, all those little hands shoot up, and mm. uh, it, it's... It's just—it's remarkable. They—they they all know that they were that they are—they are creative. The—the um, the interesting thing that I did not realize I would witness is that as the students get older, uh, and theoretically as they learn more, as they become more uh, skilled, their confidence actually goes down. So that natural creative drive uh, kind of dwindles and, and atrophies. And so I can ask the, the older students how many of you are artists, and those hands are much less confident. They, you know, a few of them come up. Most of them are, are pretty insecure, pretty self-conscious. And, and so my job as an art teacher really in a lot of ways is, is to help kids hang on to what they've already got. Um, I'm not going to make any of them be artists. They, they, they come to me already perfect. And, and so it, it's kind of a, uh, it, a challenge and kind of a sad, sad thing to, to watch kids uh, give up what they've, what they've been created to do. Uh, So I I just try to hold them back and say, hey, you you can do this. (laughs) Uh, This is not uh, just for the especially gifted and and talented students. This is is for everybody.
2: My guest is Matt Appling from Kansas City. We're talking about his new book with Moody Press, Uh, Life After Art. Now we get to the second topic, Matt. The challenge is to stay an artist as an adult. Mm-hmm. and uh, the subtitle, How We Lose Our Naturally Born Creativity. What what goes on here?
3: Well, it, it's kind of heartbreaking to me. It, it's amazing how many adults I talk to uh, who, who say that, that they aren't creative, um, or they say they don't have a, any kind of creative outlet in their lives, or they even say that, that it was in art class that they realized that they were not artists, which I just find that's just a tragedy. Uh, but I see it over and over again. I've, I've noticed a pattern with students that there, there's kind of... Three major shifts that happen uh, within kids. The, the first being that um, that the creativity stops being a priority in our lives. When we're little kids, uh, we we love to create things. We we love to share things that we created, um, and that stops being. We start prioritizing other things. And for adults, I mean, we can have a myriad of other priorities other than that. Uh, the second is that we we kind of learn our limitations. We we learn to compare ourselves to other people, and that's just that's just a, a deadly thing. And it, you know, it, it comes up especially when we get into junior high school, and you start noticing um, who are the haves and who are the have nots, and, and that's really just how we kind of go into our adult world, uh, kind of judging ourselves based on what other people are doing and, and other people's abilities. And, and then when we are, when we figure out that we don't have it, whatever it is, you know, we we aren't the most naturally talented. We just Kind of tell ourselves it's okay for us to settle. We can, we don't have to. We don't have to do that. We can, we can just settle for less. And I, I say kids are, are settling for, for good enough. Basically, it, when a, a kid uh, wants to kind of give up on a project, they say, "Is is this is this good?" What they're really asking me, "Is is this good enough for me to quit?" <laughs> it's not that it's the best of their ability. It's not that they're proud of their work. Um, is it good enough that they can give up on it? And I think that adults uh, we we give up too often we we sell ourselves short we limit ourselves we stick with the things that we know that we're pretty good at we try not to uh, look foolish we try to not fail in front of other people and uh, and that's how we kind of we, we talk ourselves out of being creative in our adult lives and and it's to me it's it's really sad because um to me, it's it's denying a piece of our humanity that we're given uh, the ability to create by our creator, and uh, and we say no, I, I don't have that.
2: So, do you think artists are born or made?
3: <laughs> well, both. I think I think we're all born to be artists, but the the trick is what a lot of people miss is that there are a lot of techniques that, that we can that anyone can learn. You don't have to be creative. Uh, you, you don't have to have the creative mind to pick up on, on techniques. And, and certainly, I'm not saying that, that everyone needs to uh, be an artist, per se. It's, I'm not saying that everyone needs to paint in order to live a, a fulfilling life. Uh, but we all have some means of creativity inside us, some spark that is waiting to come out. And, and that's what I'm encouraging adults to get in touch with, is there is something inside you that wants to create.
2: When we come back... My guest is uh, Matt Appling from Kansas City. We're talking about his book, Life After Art. Moody Publishers, Moody Press put it out. Uh, When we come back after the break, Matt, I want to talk about uh, Winston Churchill and George W. Bush and Tony Bennett and the great Celtic Tommy Heinzen, all of whom (laughs) have had terrific uh, effort with art. As adults, with no apparent background, and uh, uh, I want to talk to Matt about that. Uh, I may have a whole new career in front of me, Matt, as I move <laughs> into good. my 70s. I, I, and Grandma Moses, we got to talk about her. Absolutely. So, so, more with Matt after this. Just a reminder, you're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment
1: on the new 950 WTLN
2: folks, this is Alan Thick. I was the dad on a show called Growing Pains, and like all TV dads, I had to teach the kids about handling money. So here goes. If you were ever to find yourself owing the IRS $10,000 or more, you could be looking at wage garnishments, liens, bank levies. You might even lose your home or business. Not good. That's why I'd tell you to call the people at Optima Tax Relief, because there's a new tax debt forgiveness program just announced by the IRS called the Fresh Start Initiative. By calling Optima, you can jump on one of the biggest breaks the IRS has offered in ages. It's huge. You could qualify for a settlement that's 75% lower than before these changes. They're A-rated by the Better Business Bureau, and they even offer a money-back guarantee. Trust me, kids. You can trust these guys.
0: Call 800-711-5743. That's 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
4: Picture yourself sitting on a three-legged stool. One leg represents your relationships, another your health, and the third your finances. Now suppose one of the legs is shorter than the others or maybe even broken. It would make life off-balance and uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Is that where you're finding yourself? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby with the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. With the 3-Step Plan Home Business, you could earn extra money. You could choose your own work hours so your relationships could take priority for a change. And with more time and money, it'd be easier to take care of your health. You could be in balance. Wouldn't that be grand? We'll train you, and the only tools you need are a telephone and Internet access. So if you're tired of things being sideways in your life, check out the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. Go to take three That's take three or call 888-366-5258. 888-366-5258.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Before we continue with Matt, just a reminder that uh, I want to encourage you to champion the lung cancer cause by registering today for the third annual Free to Breathe Orlando 5K Run Walk and the One Mile Walk on November 16th at Moss Park. The inspirational event will bring the community together to raise funds that will fuel groundbreaking research necessary for making the dramatic breakthroughs in early detection and treatment that can save lives. All proceeds support the National Lung Cancer Partnership. It's Saturday, November 16th, 2013. The opening rally at 8.15. Registration, of course, at 7. And uh, the runners start at 8.30. That's Moss Park 12901, Moss Park Road, Orlando, Florida. All right, Matt, tell me about these uh, uh, old folks who uh, took up painting later in life and, and they end up selling their paintings. They become legendary. I'm, I'm eager to hear about that. Do I have a future there?
3: Yeah, I I, I don't know if, uh, if anyone else has seen them, but uh, you mentioned George W. Bush, um, who, yeah, he, he's kind of taken himself out of the spotlight since his uh, time in the White House, and uh, he, he seems to have entered this new phase of, of kind of personal self-reflection. And, and a good deal of that has been through uh, through art. He's he's picked up a paintbrush and he's painting, and he, of course, has no formal uh, training or, or anything. And, and I think that's, that's amazing. You know, some people feel that, uh, that you have to go to school to be an artist, that you have to be trained, that you have to have a, a mentor or you have to apprentice with someone. And, and all it really takes is, is the bravery to do it. I, I mean... If if a former president wants to pick up a paintbrush and a canvas and, and paint a picture, that's, that's okay, because he's human. It, it doesn't matter what it looks like, what it turns out to be. It, it validates uh, who he is as a human being. And uh, if you've seen any of them, they, they really are kind of uh, – they're, they're very interesting, because they, they take you kind of into his mind as uh, you, you kind of imagine him reflecting on – on his life and career, uh, Grandma Moses. She's a she's a fantastic example. She uh, she didn't get into painting until late in life, and she became uh, a, a pretty renowned folk artist. And she, you know, you, you look at her paintings, and it's obvious that she didn't have any training or, or formal formal teaching of any kind. Um, but that's okay because <laughs> it, it illustrates her everyday life, and, and it's just as valuable uh, for you or I as as more lay people or, or amateurs. Uh, as it is for someone who who goes to school, some people like some people enjoy the fact that there's kind of a divide between uh, the, the the elites and the rest of us, the amateurs. And, and I'm just kind of an unapologetic populist. I I really do think that if uh, if you are a human being, <laughs> then then you deserve to engage in some kind of creative pursuit.
2: We're talking to Matt Appling about his book, Life After Art. All right, Matt, we've covered uh, all children are artists. We've talked about the challenges to stay an artist as an adult. Here's the third topic uh, I want you to get into. Life without beauty, society suffers an epidemic of lost creativity.
3: Yeah, you know, I look around, um, and, and it seems like we, we just have an, ex- an explosion of, of creative energy all around us. Um there's all kinds of things being created. It's not like we have a shortage of of creativity around us. Uh, but I, let's let's take a moment to think about what is our creative energy uh, being devoted to. <laughs> uh, most of it is uh, very temporary things, advertising and uh, things that are meant to be consumed and then thrown away. There's nothing wrong with uh, with people creating advertisements, creating messages. Um, but I look around and, and I think about uh, the, the art that was created 100, 200, 500 years ago. I go to a museum and I see these timeless pieces of work. And everything that we create says something about us as creators. So every piece of art says something about the person who created it, the, the, the time that he, he or she came from, uh, the culture that they were coming from. And I, I just I think about... Well, one day we're all going to be gone, and uh, the only thing that will tell our story is, is the stuff that, that we leave behind. And one day, you know, some future archaeologists, uh, a couple hundred years down the road, they will dig us up and they'll dig up our stuff. and And what will we have left behind? What is our, our creative legacy? What will they think of us? Because we won't be able to sway their opinion and <laughs> tell them ourselves. It will be the uh, the images and the arts and the music. And, uh, and the literature that we leave behind that will tell our story. And that goes for our, our culture, but it also it, it causes me to reflect on my own life. What am I creating uh, that, that will tell my story when I'm gone? What will be my legacy? Uh, because we all want a legacy. We all want to be remembered when we're gone. And we hope that people will remember us in a positive light. Uh, so it, 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 it really gives me pause to think, um, what is it that I will be remembered for? I, I probably won't be remembered by that many people, but the people who, who do remember me, uh, what will they have to say? And that's something that we can all ask. What will our, our children and our grandchildren and our great grandchildren uh, remember us for? What are we creating that will outlive us?
2: Topic four, Matt Coloring Inside the Lines, mm-hmm. relearning how to create within the boundaries of life. What, what are you teaching us here?
3: You know, I, I see lots of, uh, lots of parents who, they, they learn that I'm an art teacher, and they, they remember their art teacher telling them that they always had to color inside the lines, and uh, that just they always bristled against that because they think that, that art is, is meant to just go everywhere and, and have no limitations. Um, and I have students who, who sometimes, they kind of balk at me because I want them to, to work a certain way and uh, what I realized, my, my grandfather was an extreme perfectionist. <laughs> he was an engineer and uh, he was a great man, uh, but, but we are all working inside limitations. And, and for him, even though he pursued perfection in everything that he did, uh, he still wasn't able to create everything perfectly. We all, all of us have limitations in our life, whether it's time that we have, whether it's our natural talents. Uh, it could be money, it could be relationships, it could be anything. And what I'm trying to teach students in art class about limitations is that limitations don't have to be defeating. They don't have to be bad. Uh, we spend so much of our time dreaming that limitations don't exist maybe, or, or, or we try to push against limitations. And the thing is, is that in art, the, the limitations that an artist sets on himself creates the design of the work. And in life, those, those limitations that we have create the designs of our life. So we can waste a lot of time saying, well, I, I, I'm trying to push against my financial limitations, and we do that by racking up a lot of debt. Or, or we we dream about uh, a better marriage or a marriage without the, the limitations of fidelity, and so people cheat on their spouses. And it never works out well. It always creates more consequences. It's never positive. So what we need to realize is that, like art, life itself is full of limitations, and those, those are more often uh, more positive than they are negative. They're, they're, even though we spend so much time wanting to be rid of them and dreaming of being rid of them, uh, they really are, they create the design of our lives.
2: And now we're going to move to topic number five, freedom to fail, relearning how to take necessary risks
3: you know i I don't know if uh, anyone out there is is like me um, but i've I've grown to really detest the feeling of failure <laughs> and uh, for me it was uh, it was in sports I was an artistic kid but, but sports were not my thing I wasn't an, an athletic kid I really plumbed the depth of how bad a child could be at sports <laughs> um, and uh, it really shaped how, how I, I worked as an adult, where if I, if I knew that failure was, was an option or if I, if I knew that success was not guaranteed, uh, more and more often I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to try that. And I, I see students doing that all the time, uh, where, where they just don't feel that, that the risk of failure is worth it. And it really comes from they, they want to maintain an image in front of their peers. They see what their peers are doing. And, uh, and they see what they're doing, and it doesn't measure up. So, so they don't want to take that risk. They don't want to uh, put in the effort. And, and to me, what we have to learn, what I've had to relearn in my life, is that failure is, is not this tragic thing that we have to avoid at all costs. Uh, the, the more I've avoided failure, really, the, the more I've shortchanged myself on success. Uh, I, I've not been able to get anywhere. I've not been able to have any successes in life. Uh, as long as I've just avoided failure, because that means I've, I've just hunkered down, I've kept my head down, I've just done everything I can to, to avoid any sense of failure. But failure is just a necessary part of success. And, and it, it was true when we were in school, uh, when we're solving math problems or, or we're, we're working on an art project. And the same is true in real life, and that's something that, uh, that I've had to, to kind of recultivate in my life, an attitude where it's okay to fail. The worst-case scenario that we can imagine in our minds is hardly ever the case in reality. Uh, Most people just, uh, we've got an overblown image of failure in our mind where we think it's going to be the end of the world. It's going to be a financial disaster or all of our friends will abandon us. And it's really just not the case. It's just not true.
2: And now I want you to talk about born to create, relearning how to be a creator.
3: To me, uh, the art class has really become a metaphor for my entire life. And I know that sounds kind of crazy because most of us uh, don't live in the art room. Uh, we've got adult lives and adult responsibilities, and we're raising kids and we have careers and we have all of these things. Um, but to me, the we've been sold uh, on a life that is more about consuming. Uh, we, we consume products. We consume advertisements. Um, we, we go through the motions. And uh, we, we try to make enough money that, so that we can spend it and, and all of these things. And to me, life is much more about creating than it is consuming. It, it, when we embrace that we are gifted to create things, uh, life is much more fulfilling. It's much more meaningful. Kids don't wonder what the meaning of life is. They somehow inherently know what it is. Uh, it, it's, it's adults who... Uh, are kept awake in the middle of the night wondering uh, if their life has meaning or purpose. Uh, I've certainly had those nights. I- I'm sure that just about everyone has had one of those nights where you wonder, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is, is this really what my life is, is all about? My guess to is- me, it-, it's- it's always, it's- it is really about creating, and it's not just about the pretty pictures that we make in our class. It's about creating greatness around us. It's about creating a new world for the people around us.
2: What do you think God thinks about us and art?
3: <laughs> I think uh, the first thing we see God doing in the Bible is creating. Um, the very first five words in the Book of Genesis are "In the beginning, God created." And it's not anything that God has to do because He's completely self-sufficient. He's He doesn't need to create anything. It just validates who He is, and and, and then He gives us this unique ability. He doesn't give it to any of His other uh, any any of the other animals. It's just just this, and and, uh, and so I think creativity is, is an incredible way to commune with the mind of the creator. It, it's it's something very unique, very special uh, that he's given to us.
2: All right, Matt, uh, I'm going to go home for dinner tonight, and I'm going <laughs> to sit my wife down and say, "We're we're going to start uh, to become artists. We're going to be creative painters." Uh, what's the first step? We, we we go to an art store and get some supplies? I mean, how do we begin?
3: Sure. I mean, it could be anything. I, I'll I'll tell you, I haven't touched um, any power tools since I was in middle school, um, and, and I signed up just a few weeks ago for a beginner uh, woodworking class. Really? And I took, I took my first class, and I know it's going to probably be a train wreck. Whatever I bring home, it's going to look like a five-year-old made it. That's okay. Uh- Try something that you're not already an expert at. Get out of your comfort zone and just try. It doesn't matter what it turns out uh, to look like because you are human and you were made to create. It doesn't matter what it is.
2: So you're not going to be a woodworker, Matt. Is that the next step in your life?
3: It's you know I'm not going to open an online store and sell wood, wood products. <laughs> I'm not going to become a, car, a cabinet maker. It's just uh, because I'm human.
2: <laughs> and your wife is going to say... Matt, where are we gonna put all this stuff that you've made? You know
3: <laughs> well, she's she's got her own thing. she's a she's a veterinarian but really you know what? she's taking she's taking culinary classes at a, at our local art institute because that's her creative outlet. but we've kind of we've we've both got our thing, so it's it's a fantastic uh, fantastic thing for us.
2: Well, Matt, I'm so glad we could visit uh, get back into your classroom and uh, teach up a storm here. And uh, I'm so glad we could visit Life After Art, the name of the book. It's a good read. Matt Appling uh, has been our guest, and uh, we've got more right after this. You're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. That's WTLN AM 950 in Orlando, Florida.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN.
5: Water is a basic building block of life. The human body is 70% water. It should be nourished with the purest, best water on Earth. At Carolina
0: Mountain Water, their spring water is unsurpassed. Clean, pure, wholesome, and refreshing. And for the past 25 years, Carolina Mountain Water has been serving and refreshing Central Florida with the best quality and best tasting water at the most affordable price.
5: Carolina Mountain Water is 100% mountain spring water. Available in easy-to-use gallon and a half liter bottles. Along with 3- and 5-gallon spill-proof bottles, perfect for home. Home or office.
0: And now they offer free home and office delivery. Isn't that simple?
5: With Carolina Mountain Spring Water, no chemicals are ever needed for purification, the way water for the body was meant to be. Get refreshed and cool off the summer season by calling 407 851 7144.
0: The purest water Mother Nature can provide. Carolina Mountain Water 407 851 7144.
5: Call today for a special offer 407 851 7144. Online at CarolinaBottledWater.com.
4: Picture sure yourself sitting on a three-legged stool. One leg represents your relationships, another your health, and the third your finances. Now suppose one of the legs is shorter than the others or maybe even broken. It would make life off-balance and uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Is that where you're finding yourself? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby with the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. With the 3-Step Plan Home Business, you could earn extra money. You could choose your own work hours so your relationships could take priority for a change. And with more time and money, it'd be easier to take care of your health. You could be in balance. Wouldn't that be grand? We'll train you, and the only tools you need are a telephone and Internet access. So if you're tired of things being sideways in your life, check out the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. Go to take 3 steps That's take 3 steps or call 888-366-5258. 888-366-5258.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950-WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Matt Appling from Kansas City, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about life after art. Well, an old friend joins us, Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church uh, down in the Dallas, Texas area. His new book is called Unseen, Angels, Satan, Heaven, Hell, and Winning the Battle for Eternity. Bethany House is the
6: publisher. Jack, I'm so
2: glad you can join me. I hope you're doing well.
6: It's always good to visit with you, Pat, and uh, just I'm one of your biggest fans, so thank you for the opportunity to visit.
2: Thank you, Jack. We're going to uh, plow into your book, but uh, tell me about Prestonwood Baptist Church, uh, the size of it, the magnitude of it, and what you're doing down there. It's a fascinating church to me.
6: Well, it it truly is an amazing group of people, and um, I've been pastor here since 1989, and we've just seen... God's favor and blessing on this congregation uh, in unbelievable ways, indescribable ways. Really, uh, we uh, have a group of people who have a lot of faith, and they've been willing to take risk. And and, and primarily, when I say take risk, uh, risk in reaching people, teaching people God's word. We're we're a, uh, uh, a very gospel-centered, Jesus-centered, Bible preaching, teaching church, and. We have a lot of just what I would call raw evangelism and aggressive uh, outreach and world missions. And so God has has blessed the people who have been willing to to uh, advance his cause. And uh, so we have three locations and really four when you include our really fastest growing segment right now, which is Prestonwood Español, mm. the increasing uh, Spanish-speaking population of the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we are. We're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh we're seeing just massive uh results in, in reaching spanish speaking people so really uh four locations and um the the church uh is involved with me and media which is our powerpoint ministry and so we do that kind of outreach daily radio and um, weekly television and of course obviously the internet but uh it's just it's just gr- a great church and and we we see hundreds and hundreds of people come to christ each year and thousands who are being taught God's Word.
2: How will the late Zig Ziglar be remembered by you, Jack? Uh,
6: as you would expect, one of my most important friends and encouragers, um, Zig uh, was a member of this church for 20 years. Uh, it was He taught the Bible here, had one of our largest classes called the encourager class, but I just I'll never forget him. I still see him sitting on the front row uh, hmm. every Sunday. And... Amening and encouraging me and blessing me and his wife. In fact, I just talked to his wife Jean yesterday, and she's doing well. But what a great man, Zig Ziglar! Great, you know. Sometimes when you meet great people, and you know, they get smaller in your eyes when you get around them and know them better. The opposite was they. He only got bigger in my eyes the more I was around him.
2: Tell me about your new book, Unseen, Jack.
6: Unseen, uh, as that subtitle suggests, is about. Uh, the unseen world that is very real, both on the, the side of, of the, the spirit and life, and the supernatural in the positive sense. I also deal with, obviously, the dark side and just this whole cosmic battle, this invisible war that is taking place uh, all around us. And I looked around several years ago and 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 saw a lot of extremes on both sides of of uh, these kinds of issues, the the whole I saw so a lot of superstition rather than the supernatural. You look on in one sense the world's talking about uh, the invisible world, whether they're talking about, you know, fantasy land of zombies and and uh, you know, witches and sorcery and I don't know if you've I mean I've noticed that movies are getting darker, they're, the subject matter is getting darker. So there's a lot of conversation on on one hand about uh, in the world, Hollywood, in the media, about darkness, about evil, and then on the other hand, on the other extreme, you had people in, in, in you know, on the, on the Christian side that became very fringe, and they were chasing demons everywhere, and finding a demon for everything, and and almost giving the, the devil more than his due. So and then you had people talking about going back and forth to heaven or going to heaven and back and, and what's that all about and people questioned that. So I wanted to write a book about all of these unseen invisible subjects, these realities that true and, and to separate the supernatural from the superstitious, the the real from the unreal, uh fact from fiction. And so the only way I know to do that is to take the Bible, God's word and open it and try to understand what God is saying in His Word about all of these subjects. So, I take on everything from angels to demons to Satan and, say, and warfare. I talk about hell. I talk about heaven. And uh, we've, when I did this message series in the church, I said, you know, there's more to life than what you see. There's more to life than what you see. Mm. And what you don't know about the invisible world can hurt you. And it can hurt. It can. It can. It can hurt you really bad. And so Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those, uh, the devices and the strategies of the devil. And yet there's a lot of ignorance on this subject, so we tried to address it from God's perspective. And really, the the bottom line of this book is in that subtitle when it says, Winning the Battle for Eternity, because ultimately this is a battle between life and death and heaven and hell and eternity.
2: Dr. Jack Graham pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in uh, the Dallas area. Our guest, his new book is out. It's called Unseen. Twelve interesting chapters, Jack. Number one, pressing questions we can't help but ask. That's how you open the book. Um, What what are you teaching there? What are you saying?
6: Well, well, the question, the big question, is the question of, of evil and suffering and why this encroaching darkness in our world, everything from personal suffering to international terrorism and just the increasing uh, evil that we see. And, uh, you know, what? what is that? Where does that come from? Why does this exist? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell the story in the opening chapter of the book of my own father's death. He, My father was murdered really? when I was a young preacher at the age of 20. And, uh, you know, I had to deal with that whole uh subject of evil for the first time. I grew up happy days in the 50s in a small town in Arkansas, and my dad owned the local drive-in where we sold corn dogs, and, and I mean, that was my our life. And then, after moving to Texas, uh, and I was a college student playing baseball and becoming a minister, and my dad is viciously, brutally murdered at his mm. hardware store. Mm. And so I I had to for the first time come you know was face to face with evil. Where does why why where does this come from? How how because suffering is going to happen to all of us, and 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 yet we ignore it. And and that kind of suffering and that level of of devastation, it, you 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 see that on the news. That's happening to someone else. But the reality is the unseen reality is that there is a an unseen battle between forces of good and evil. And that sometimes we get in the crossfire. We live in a broken world and a broken planet, and where uh, bad things happen to all people—not just bad people, but good people and God's people. And so I kind of start out talking about that, the the and the, and then the reality of of Christ in my life at that point, and the increasing love for for Him. I mean, Peter the Apostle talks about whom Jesus that we have not seen yet we love. And I've never seen Jesus. I've I've never shaken his hand physically, but he's real to me. And and the work of God's spirit in my life uh, through the seasons of life, throughout my days, I'm 63 years of age now. And throughout all the days of my life, I can tell you that Jesus is more real to me than he's ever been. And so the the reality of, of becoming, you know, the scripture says, don't, uh, don't be caught up on the thing in, in the things below, but look to the things above. Set your mind, your heart, your affections on things above. And so that's 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 kind of how we level set the book that these unseen realities exist, both good and evil. and uh, we need to know how to win in the battle for eternity. We have in Christ victory. We need to learn how to claim that victory and live, uh, what I call heaven-hearted, uh, and with, with the habit uh, of hope and heaven in our minds and in our hearts.
2: Let's get to the second topic. You simply call it the dark angel, Jack. Uh, who, who is the dark angel?
6: Satan. And um, so we talk about the reality of Satan, and many people, uh, I think, have misconceptions about heaven. It was interesting, Pat, when we, or, uh, when we did this book, Uh, or did this as a message series, we did some person-on-the-street interviews on all these subjects. Really? And devils and, and, and angels and all the rest. And you would be, maybe not, maybe not you, but people would be amazed at how much misconception, myths, crazy ideas, bizarre stuff is out there about all these subjects. Mm. and you know satan of course that you know people from the from the church lady on saturday night skit you know could be satan and and satan gets minimized he's a caricature he's a cartoon character um he's uh, a a medieval ancient and i'm talking about the way some people view him of course he's a medieval caricature of of evil and even when I went to college, I went to a little Baptist school out in West Texas. I had a professor in my, our Bible department tell us that Satan wasn't; it was just evil, and Satan was just the personification of the evil. That he didn't really exist as a person. And but in the book, what I find in the Bible that Satan is real. He is a person. He was a created being by God, originally an angel in the heavenly host who he rebelled against God before he, earthly time began. And in the mystery, you know, the, the Scripture talks about the mystery of iniquity. So how did all this sin? How did all this suffering? How did all this evil begin? Well, before there was ever rebellion on earth, there was revolt in heaven and Satan who was the uh Lucifer, the son of the morning, became uh Satan, the prince of darkness. And so he is not equal to God. He is not the uh you know, this is not a this is not a fair fight. God controls and commands Satan himself. He allows Satan to exist and that's part of the mystery of s- sin and suffering uh... that we talk about but uh... Satan is very real he tempts he seduces he lies he steals jesus said I, i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly but satan comes to kill steal and destroy and i see the damage of 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 satan's work uh... every day as a pastor mm. and uh... and as the days get darker We shouldn't be surprised because the New Testament tells us that as we near the return of Christ, that it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And in the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come, and we're seeing the increase of wickedness, and Satan is on the loose. He's not down in hell, you know, with a pitchfork making people shovel coal. Satan is like a roaring lion roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour.
2: Dr. Jack Graham is our guest. We're talking about his new book Unseen. Talk to me Jack about heaven's mostly unseen warriors.
6: Well, I love this chapter in in the book and you know there's not a lot out there written about angels. Um Billy Graham wrote a great book about it, you know, 25 or 30 years ago. I'm thinking about doing a new one myself coming out of this book, but um you know angels are again created beings. Um uh, they are worshipers and 24 uh, 7. Angels are worshiping God, and there are myriads of them, with, which, you know, millions upon millions of, of angels created to to glorify God, which they do. Uh, their, their example should encourage us because the, 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 the goal and the glory of heaven will be the worship of our God. And so they teach us much about that. Uh, Angels are witnesses, the very word angel means angelos or messenger, so often you see angels showing up in scripture to deliver messages of importance, Uh, the birth of Christ, the resurrection, Uh, you see angels uh, intervening. Uh, often unseen in uh, people's lives, delivering uh, a message from God. At other times in in the New Testament, of course, showing up to to Mary to speak to Mary and Joseph in a dream. So angels are real. And one of the points I make in this book is because people want to know if they're still around today. And I'm saying, well, absolutely. I mean, God didn't retire all the angels. We're told that that uh, they still exist and that they are still worshiping God. And and in some way, uh, though the New Testament, the Bible has been given us as the record and the and the full revelation of God. I mean, God may choose, especially in last days, to send angels as messengers. We see that in the Book of Revelation. But I focus also on the fact that angels are warriors, and we see that often. Uh, maybe many of you the listeners watched the bible series that was just on and some people were taken back when those two angels showed up in the bible series mini series uh that uh, they showed up like ninja warriors at sodom and gomorrah jack graham when, our guest we've
2: got more with jack right after this on wtln am 950 don't go away stay with us i'm pat with
1: The Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN.
5: Let's
2: get it started.
1: I own a pop stand, actually, two. Sure, there are days I say, let's blow this pop stand. <laughs> Not today. I just discovered the new services center at Office Max. Their team is printing our new signs and banners at half off. Our stores look amazing, and business is popping. Let's get it started.
5: This week, get 50% off on select signs, banners, and posters at the new OfficeMax Services Center. Valid in-store only. See store for details.
6: This is Dennis McKenzie for
1: Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m., That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN.
4: Picture yourself sitting on a three-legged stool. One leg represents your relationships, another your health, and the third your finances. Now suppose one of the legs is shorter than the others or maybe even broken. It would make life off balance and uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Is that where you're finding yourself? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby with the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. With a three-step plan home business, you could earn extra money. You could choose your own work hours, so your relationships could take priority for a change. And with more time and money, it'd be easier to take care of your health. You could be in balance. Wouldn't that be grand? We'll train you, and the only tools you need are a telephone and Internet access. So, if you're tired of things being sideways in your life, check out the three-step plan home business system. Go to Take3StepsForward.com. That's Take3StepsForward.com or call 888-366-5258.
1: 888-366-5258. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Pat.
2: Dr. Jack Graham is with us from Texas, pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church. We're talking about his new book, Unseen, Bethany House, the publisher. Jack, tell me about Battle Gear.
6: One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is is the book of Ephesians, and it's, it's such a great book because it begins by talking about all the blessings that we have in Christ, the incredible spiritual riches. Uh, the wealth the worth of the believer the believer and then it moves to a conversation about our walk with christ and and our behavior how we how we live and and, and live out the gospel and then it comes to uh, the final section where it talks about the warfare or the battle that believers face and that's in chapter six of ephesians and says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. And he talks about this spiritual warfare that we're in that's very real. But he, he shows us, God shows us in this passage how we can gear up every day by putting on the armor, putting on the protective armor of God, which is symb- symbolic, symbolic of some very important truths that should be applied in the believers lives we talk about those truths in the book what they are what is the breastplate of righteousness and of course paul is taking just the account of a roman soldier he's standing there in prison sitting there in prison looking at these roman soldiers and he's looking at that equipment and say, you know, we need to put on the armor of God because we fight uh, these spiritual battles every day. So, but what is the breastplate of righteousness? What is the belt of truth? What is the, the, the What are the shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation? And what is the sword of the spirit? And so all of these are applicable. It's just a powerful illustration. You know, where you're talking about you know, you could make it an athletic metaphor as well. I mean, these these football players that put on this equipment. I mean, who would play in an NFL game without proper equipment? And all this concern about concussions and all the rest, because you know we need the equipment protects against injury. And so that's the whole idea there—that you get you 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 don't show up for this battle naked. That you put on. The spiritual armor, and you are to do it daily and in in such a way in your own personal prayer life, and your walk with Christ, that you have protection against the works of the enemy in your life. And ultimately that becomes, it's all defensive except for that one weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And God has given us His Word, the promises of God, the the purposes of God in the Scripture, that if we will bear them and use them, then we will win against every attack of the enemy.
2: Jack, next you do a chapter about mind matters. Explain that to me, please.
6: Mind matters because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, We become what we think, and Satan uh, attacks the mind, of course, and uh, the way we think is vital to our well-being. And in this chapter, I discuss uh, how to mind uh, the, the the matters of your mind, how to take care of your thought life, because your thought life is so critical to to everything in your life. You're an expert on this, Pat. You you know how it's so vital that you you think in a way that not only honors God but gives you the opportunity to please God and and to enjoy God's blessings and. So there's a lot of negative thinking and, and, and whether Satan tempts in the mind and, and, and the heart and, and the inner being. And, and on the other side, you know, it, it, I found if, you, if you're thinking the right thing, you can't be thinking the wrong thing. God made us so that we can only think one thing at a time. And so we talk about filling your mind with positive things, praiseworthy things, good things, godly things, uh, biblical things, so that you are thinking in a way that God. Uh, sets you up to win not to lose in life
2: more than conquerors how do we become more than conquerors jack
6: that's by claiming that promise to start uh and that is a promise uh from the great eighth chapter of romans uh the great evangelist of yesteryear D.L. moody uh, once said, I would rather live in the 8th chapter of Romans than in the Garden of Eden, <laughs> because uh, man fell out of the Garden of Eden, but in the 8th chapter of Romans, it begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation, so we mm. are secure. It's all about security, and so right in the middle of that, or really actually near the end of that great chapter, after he says, all things are working together for good to those who love the Lord, he says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And he goes on to say, we are attacked on every hand, but we know that we are more than conquerors. And the word means super conquerors. We don't just win, we dominate in hmm. Christ. And so, uh and, and and the way we do that is by by living in the victory that God has now given us. Um, and there's an old saying, it's a maxim really, uh, that we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Mm. Uh, Christ has defeated at the cross the enemy. Now there's still battles to be fought, but the war is over. And we are are living in the victory that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And what we need to do is claim the territory, uh, and the promises that God has given us. So this particular chapter talks a lot about how to get the Bible into your life uh, and, and how to have a, a personal time to know and understand God's Word. Uh, I have a, a formula, not a formula, but just a pattern that I use in, uh, in, in getting the Word of God in my life so that I can uh, win with the Word of God and how I have my own personal time with God. And, and uh, so that's what that chapter is about. It's, it's a very practical and personal chapter. I talk about biblical memory, uh, memorization. I, one of the most important things Christians can do is to memorize God's Word. And... You know, now I know some people say, "Well, I, you know, I don't memorize very well. I've drunk a lot of diet coke in my life, and I don't think too well these days." <laughs> but I, I tell people, "Look, if I gave you fifty dollars for every verse of scripture you memorized, I guarantee you you'd be a memory machine." <laughs> so it's all about motivation, and I'm motivated to win in a battle of life. And I know if I'm going to win and be more than a conqueror and live in the victory that God has promised, I need to know those promises, those principles, precepts from God's Word, and live in that victory.
2: What is warfare prayer? Uh,
6: when you get right down to it, the battle is prayer. Uh, spiritual battles are won and lost at prayer. Any, any defeat in my life is ultimately uh, a prayer defeat because I have not prayed. As I ought to pray, any victory in my life, any win that I have uh, is ultimately an answer to prayer or someone else praying for me. Um, So in that same passage I was referring to earlier about putting on the armor of God, he moves right from that whole battle scene to prayer. You think, how does that connect? Well, prayer is the battleground. Prayer is where we win and lose – we're told in the scripture that we don't wrestle uh, the enemy, we don't overcome the enemy with weapons that are carnal or human or fleshly, but mighty weapons to the pulling down a stronghold. And those weapons are the word of God and prayer. God has given us these spiritual weapons. That you know, it's, it's useless to 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 try to defeat the darkness and win against Satan. By human efforts, we're not capable. We don't have the power, the strength, the energy in and of ourselves. I mean, we can we can think as positively as we want. We can we can uh, keep ourselves. You know, we can mentally uh, get stronger and all of those things. But ultimately, I'm not capable of handling the enemy of my soul. But God is. And, and so I'm dependent upon God, and it is in prayer that I'm strengthened. It's prayer. Jesus taught us to pray against temptation, that we would be delivered from evil. I mean, that model prayer that he gave us, right in the middle of it, it's a prayer for protection. It's a prayer for God's provision every day that we be uh, not overcome with evil and that, that, that the light would overcome the darkness. So that's an important, it's a basic spiritual boot camp kind of thing for all of us but in this book i talk about what that warfare praying is i mean prayer is worship prayer is you know asking and receiving but prayer is warfare the warfare is prayer
2: jack you've got 30 seconds before we've finished and the last topic is we win
6: 30 seconds on we win Oh, we win because we have read the Word of God, the last chapters. Jesus comes again. The enemy is defeated. Those who have hope in Christ are with Him forever and ever, and we will serve Him day and night in a place called heaven, and it's going to be wonderful. What could be better than that? Dr.
2: Jack Graham has been our guest. <clears throat> the book is called Unseen. It's an important read. Angels, Satan, heaven, hell, and winning the battle for eternity. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. More of the Pat
1: Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hi, this is Pastor Johnny with the Vision, bringing you a message of love and grace on the new 950 WTLN Sunday mornings at 10:45 a.m. Or if you can't catch the broadcast at that time, you can get us at wtln.com twenty four seven, where you can download the podcast anytime and enjoy that message. That's the Vision on the new 950 WTLN. If credit card debt has you down, nonprofit Trinity Debt Management can help. Trinity will consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, stop collections calls, wipe out late fees, and drastically reduce your interest. You'll pay thousands less than you originally owed. So call the Trinity Debt Relief Hotline at 1-800-793-9159. That's 1-800-793-9159. Call now or visit MyDebtHasMeDown.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us here. Always happy to have you here on the weekend Power Hour. Uh, Matt Appling, our guest in the first half hour from Kansas City, talking about life after art. And then Dr. Jack Graham joined us, the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Texas. Uh, His book is called Unseen. Uh, Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. patwilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And please check out my most recent book. It's called the Leadership Excellence Devotional Book. Uh, uh, About 180 devotional pages. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Brief little reads. Uh, Barber Books put it out, and it's in bookstores now. And uh, barnesandnoble.com, a wonder way to order books, barnesandnoble.com. We're back next weekend for more on the Weekend Power Hour. I'm Pat Williams. In the meantime, have a great week ahead. This is WTLNAM 950. Thank you for joining us for this
1: week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 950 WTLN.